Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment, let you know a couple things that are coming up in our community. This week, our speaker is Sam Seifert, and he's beginning our new series, Philippians Unstoppable Gospel. And coming up on September 24th, we have our first newcomer's lunch of the new ministry year. And if you're new with us, This is a great way to meet some of the leadership of Southview as well as others that are new to our church. And all that we ask is that you register in advance, and that way we know how much food to prepare. And you can register on our website at southviewchurch.com. Lastly, next Sunday evening, September 17th, we have a Discipleship Pathway event. And so we're going to eat, and we're going to have teaching and discussion around the core practice of meeting together, being with one another. And this is for all ages. The cost is $5 per person with a maximum of $20 for families of more than four. So we do hope you'll join us. These are a great time. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint. You can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast, or you can go on Realm and join the group Southview Family Updates, and that will make sure that you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we'd love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form, so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can always find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant, because God is here, and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. The sermon text is uh, Philippians 1, verse 1 to 11. This is the word of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and what may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Well, Southview, Thanks for reading. That was uh, awesome. And as we uh, come into this weekend, we're excited to uh, kick off and be together. And a true story, uh, I've walked across the Mississippi River with my shoes on and I didn't get wet. True story. 
Mississippi River actually starts in the Itasca National Park in northern Minnesota, where I would go camping as a kid. My dad's from uh, Minnesota. And this is the headwater of the Mississippi. Right there, I've walked across the Mississippi River, and I didn't get wet. It's pretty awesome. But I've also been to the other end of the Mississippi River down in New Orleans, uh, where it dumps into the Gulf of Mexico, and the river there is a different story. It's massive. It's a huge, huge river. And if you look at the map, it goes from Itasca all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. You see it's like the second longest river in um, the U.S. It goes all that way. It's some, uh, I think it's about 3,700 kilometers and uh, has about 29 locks and dams on it, and the river just keeps on flowing. The river is an unstoppable force. It's powerful. Nothing can really stop it. And this weekend, we're kicking off this series called The Unstoppable Gospel, which is also the same kind of thing. It's a message so powerful that not even the greatest empires or the worst situations in life can stop this. It's a message that has transformed uh, people's lives throughout the course of history, and it continues to do so today. And it's a message that calls us to be agents of change in our world, bearers of hope and messengers of love in a world that desperately needs it. And so this fall, we're going to be exploring Paul's letter to the Philippians so they can guide us in our own faith journey as a community of faith here at Southview. And we're going to seek to understand how can we find joy in the midst of life's challenges? How can we cultivate a spirit of unity and love within our church community? And ultimately, how can we live out this gospel message in our everyday lives where God has uniquely placed us in this world? And so Paul's letters, like this Philippians letter, is not just a bunch of abstract kind of theological understanding. This is a letter written by a real person to real people with real challenges in the ancient day. Now, Paul didn't want to just give out wise counsel and help with uh, social problems in his time. His overarching goal was always to help people faithfully and freely embrace this good news of the gospel. Now, that word, the gospel, if you're not familiar with church language, that simply means uh, good news or glad tidings. That's what gospel means. And you're going to hear a lot of it as we walk through the book of Philippians this year. Now, N.T. Wright said that the gospel is really the narrative proclamation of King Jesus. Or to put it more simply, Jesus, the crucified and risen Messiah, is Lord. And he goes on to say that a lot of people, the gospel kind of has shrunk down to kind of a statement about Jesus's death and resurrection and its meaning, and then a prayer with which to accept that salvation. Now, it's kind of like saying um, a rotor blade is, of a helicopter is all that really matters. You know, you won't get off the ground without the blades. But the rotor blades of the helicopter don't make up the helicopter. It's much more than that. And so there's this grand, deep understanding of the gospel that we're going to be unpacking as we walk through this book together. And so if you want a great resource that can help you understand more about what the gospel is, I'm going to encourage you to pick up this book. It's called The King, uh, uh, the, uh, what's it called? The King Jesus Gospel 
by Scott McKnight. And uh, I would highly recommend you purchase it. It's a great book. We also have three copies in our resource library right across the Cardinal Hallway where you can check it out. And I would definitely encourage you to check it out and read it. We love our library crew that have uh, all the books over there. So you can go over there and check it out, but highly recommend you uh, to read it. We'll give you a better understanding of what we're going to be talking about. What is this gospel? And I was trying to think of a way to kind of creatively help us think about this and what this kind of big idea really is. And I was talking to Spencer, uh, sorry, Reverend Spencer, now that he's ordained. And uh, he was uh, telling him, he reminded me of the movie uh, Free Guy. Have you ever seen that movie Free Guy? Well, anyway, if you haven't seen it, it's a movie about, his name is Guy really creative. He's a bank teller, and he learns that he's an NPC or a non-player character in a video game, and he puts on these glasses at some point in the movie, and it shows him this whole other dimension of life that is happening all around him. So think of the gospel, kind of as like a New Testament scholar Nijay Gupta would say, as like a gospel dimension, a kind of parallel cosmos that encapsulates a unique kingdom or a culture or ethos. And so really to share the gospel is to open up people's eyes to see a whole new world. (laughs) A whole new world and a reality. So it's kind of like that we would go into this life and putting on our gospel glasses. So we're normally just walking around, but when you put on the gospel glasses, you see the kingdom of God at work all around us. And we're trying to invite other people to put on those same glasses to begin to see what God is up to. And so this fall, we're going to walk through this letter to the Philippians. And so in our first series, we're going to be talking about this unstoppable gospel. We're going to seek to discover uh, that gospel despite our assumptions and fears. It is unstoppable. It's like a rushing river, unimpeded by persecutors or chains or even, dare we say, a retired senior pastor. Nothing will stop the work of the gospel in the world. We'll then seek to discover what it means to be a gospel citizen in this world. And then our last series we're going to look at is gospel mission. We'll be invited to partner with the mission of making Jesus known, which we're actually going to end on Christ the King weekend. And we're going to be doing our missions weekend that weekend. We're going to be doing a special offering for missions uh, here at Southview, which we're really excited about. So throughout this fall, Our teaching team, uh, a number of our pastors are going to be teaching, and we're going to keep bringing this big idea up and over and over again. This is kind of the big idea of where we're going over the whole fall. This is what we want you to help understand. So living as a Christian really means seeing your own story as a lived expression of Jesus' story. So living as a Christian means consciously and intentionally aligning your life with the story of Jesus. It means daily... For me, hourly, (laughs) choices, I make choices to love, to forgive, to sacrifice for the good of others. I mean, imagine your life as like a canvas, just like an artist who constantly is making this beautiful picture by every brushstroke. Every moment we have an opportunity to highlight the story of who Jesus is through our actions, by our love, and by the transforming work God's doing in our lives, both individually and communally as a church. And by doing so, we not only reflect his image in our world, but we also become a living testament to his message of hope and restoration all around us. 
So today I'm just going to lay a little bit of groundwork for where we're going through this uh, series so we can keep coming back to it as we walk through this letter together. So in the heart of the ancient history, nestled amid mountains and some um, uh, silver mines and gold mines, there was a city called Philippi. It's a story that began in the 4th century BC when it was founded by none other than Philip II of Macedon. Here's a picture of good old Philip. Many of you might not know this, but he was actually the father of Alexander the Great. And Philip, he named the city after himself, after the conquest. What a great guy. And so as the sands of time kind of swept away, Philip's significance only really grew during the Roman Empire. And in 42 BC, it was the setting for an epic battle of Philippi. It was where Octavia, who would later become Emperor Augustus, and Mark Antony emerged victorious over and against the assassins of Julius Caesar, Brutus and Cassius. And so as a reward for their service, a wave of Roman veterans was given homes in Philippi, really elevating the status of that city to a Roman colony at that time. And this kind of bestowed upon its inhabitants inhabitants, the coveted privilege of Roman citizenship. Now, Philippi really just leaned into this whole idea of Roman culture. The city's layout even mirrored Rome. They put up these beautiful forums. Uh, Here's a picture of some of the historical forums that are still standing. They had beautiful theaters. Here's a theater that they have still there in Philippi that's been excavated. And uh, they had temples and uh, structures that celebrated all of the wonderful Roman architect. Now, despite its status as a colony of Rome, Philippi still remained quite small. There was only about 10,000 people that lived in Philippi compared to the larger city of Thessalonica that had about 100,000 people. Now, the population was a rich tapestry of all different kinds of people. You had Greeks, you had Macedonians, you had Romans, and it kind of formed this diverse and very complex society. And they had a really great economy there because it was uh, located right along the Via Ignatian Way. And here's a historical picture of it outside of Philippi. It's still there. This is the big Roman road that uh, if you see on the map, it goes from Rome all the way to present-day Istanbul. So it was a massive traffic uh, and trade route. And Philippi was right on that way. It was also a city that was deeply, deeply seated in this culture of honor and status. Now, in the Greco-Roman world, honor was the most cherished currency involving social recognition wherever you went. So whether you are a Roman elite or just a commoner, all of its people shared in this relentless, unyielding pursuit of status and honor within their culture. And that kind of defined the essence of Philippi. Now, the New Testament comes along and kind of casts a spotlight on Philippi due to Apostle Paul, who he visited this city on his second missionary journey around 50 AD. And in this story, if you want to go back and read the story, you can go back to Acts chapter 16, where you can pick up the story of the beginning of the church there. We see the story of Lydia, her conversion there. You see the story of the jailer's conversion when Paul was uh, freed out of the prison there. And all of that is a part of the story that makes up Philippi. And so as we come to our text today in Philippians uh, chapter 1, 
that was read earlier, uh, we come to this greeting and uh, blessing at the very beginning. And it's important to really understand these first little parts because Paul's always doing something in the opening parts of his letters. And so we know Paul is writing this letter from prison. Uh, I think he's probably writing from Rome. Uh, There's a lot of scholars that think he's writing from Ephesus. There's a big debate on that. But anyway, he's in prison. And these conditions are very harsh. Uh, There's lots of disease. They get beat all the time. It's not a good place to be. And so he has a partnership with the Philippian church. And uh, they're actually sending him aid and support for his work in the missions and also for helping him stay alive. And so we see here that Paul and Timothy are kind of writing this together. They're co-writing it. And it kind of signifies this special relationship that they're trying to develop with the Philippian church of what they want to ask and what they're going to do as we're going to be walking through this. But one of the interesting things that happens here in this first little bit is we have this term servants of Jesus Christ. Now, this is not the actual word that Paul wrote when he wrote the letter. The actual word is doulos. It's slave. He's saying that we are a slave of Christ Jesus. Now, a slave would refer to someone who is the property of another. So Paul and Timothy describe themselves as slaves of Christ. Now, think about being in a status-conscious society where it's all about climbing the social ladder. Slaves were considered the least significant. Now, most slaves were devoid of value, treated as mere human resources, They had no respect or honor in the society. So why would Paul do this? Why would he be saying this? And why did translations actually put servants instead of slaves? I think it's because we don't like the term slaves in this context. But this is what he wrote, and we need to understand why. Could he be kind of deflecting this sense of he's a big hero uh, to this Philippian church and he doesn't want to make that, so he identifies himself as a slave to kind of redirect everything to magnify the life of Jesus? Or is he doing it to kind of create a lesson for the Philippians in this status-centric culture to embrace a more socially demeaning aspect, which would be slavery, of serving one another? Why would Paul be doing this? It's something that we need to ask these questions as we come to scripture and help understand what is he doing? But the most honorific title that he gives is to all the saints. Now that term saints, it's the holy ones, the holy ones of Christ Jesus. And it signifies those who have a special relationship with God. So to all, everyone even here today who is in Christ This is our status. We are declared holy ones. And what does that do for this community? It unites them. There's a diversity in this community. There's different social strata structures, ethnicities, genders, all of these things. They're now all united together in Christ. And he ends with a blessing of grace and peace because he's helping them see that God does care deeply for his people. And he desires to give a peace that transcends every circumstance that they're actually walking through. True peace is not controlled by friendly circumstances. So today, how do we find peace in a chaotic world? A world that can create our own sense of of prison chains. 
Paul would go on and he's going to be unpacking this. And this is where I want to kind of just give us a big a bit of a vision for where we want to go as a church, where we're going, and four things that will help us stay rooted in the calling that God has for us. First is that we're called to trust in this unstoppable gospel. So imagine the Apostle Paul. He's a brilliant speaker. He's going through all of these places in the empire of Rome, and he's planting these churches. Now imagine you're a Philippian uh, resident, and you think, wow, there's something special about this guy. You know what? I could use a little peace and joy in my life, and I like what he's selling. I'm going to step in, and I'm going to be a part of that. I could use some of that good news. Well, then all of a sudden, you hear Paul winds up in prison, and then things in your own city aren't going so well for someone who considers themselves a Christian. And they may start to be wondering, maybe we backed the wrong person. Maybe we don't really know what he's saying. But the strange thing is, Paul is at ease in the most ridiculously crazy, horrible situation. He almost relishes in the fact that it's getting more difficult and more difficult. Why was he able to do that? Because Paul believed the gospel of Jesus Christ is an unstoppable force. Paul sees God's gospel like a mighty rushing river flowing down a mountain. Water has the ability to move and to separate. Combined with the power of gravity, nothing is going to stand in its way. And Paul knows the gospel is just like that. It's powered by the Holy Spirit and the hope of Jesus. Nothing is going to stop it. So what does Paul expect from these Philippians? Keep up with the river. Paul talks about wanting them to help them progress or move forward in their faith and their joy. And so Southview, this year, jump into the river. Jump into the river. Be a part of the gospel that is unstoppable. We can put our trust in what God is doing. And whatever circumstances we're going to face this year, we're going to live boldly on mission with Jesus. There's going to be obstacles and challenges that come our way this year. But they ought to inspire us not to send us back. That's what happened with Paul. He saw that as he proclaimed the message, even in those hard places, it inspired those around him to proclaim even more boldly because they were inspired by the work of Paul. Now, the Roman soldiers in particular were legendary for their narrow focus in this world, honoring the empire and conquering their foe without hesitation or distraction. So Paul was literally telling the Philippians, don't live reactively or questioning based on changing circumstances. Instead, carry out the work to which you were called with daring faith. And so this year, we're inviting all of us, just as we commissioned this church last week, to go into this world and live boldly. Live boldly with Jesus, knowing that he is with us and he will work in us for his good. And then third, fight the good fight of faith together. Now, one of the ways that Roman soldiers achieved such efficient and successful outcomes was through their cooperation and coordination as a military unit. And Paul even calls the Philippians to unity when he says in verse 27, standing firm as one in the spirit with one united heart and soul fighting together for the faith of the gospel. So in almost all areas of life, we know that we're able to accomplish more and to limit or overcome obstacles if we work together. Think of our stampede breakfast. We think of our block party. We think of all the different things that we do, summer camp. Without all of the people working together, coming together to help, 
we're able to actually get more done. And I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton when he said, we're all in the same boat in a stormy sea and we owe each other a terrible loyalty. So put simply, we need each other. And Paul knew that. And so this year, we're going to be doing things to help bring us together. And so on uh, September 17th, we have our discipleship pathway, and it's going to be on our core practice of meat. And uh, you can uh, register. It's going to include dinner, $5 dinner. We want the whole church to come out, and we're going to practice uh, being together, having a meal together. Kids are going to go to their own program. Adults are going to be here, and we're going to meet together. We're going to see what it means to do life on life together, and we really would love you to be a part of it because Hebrews 10 says, says, hey, don't stop meeting together. Make it a habit. Get together and get to know one another. So this year, as a church, we want to have, invite you not to, go alone, not to go at it alone, to actually invite yourself into relationship with one another and do this together, knowing that we want to be in relationship with one another. And then lastly, let's look at our own status or look not after our own status, but at our fruit. So for many, then and now, success was quantified and calculated according to status and power and stuff. But Paul argues that those are empty indicators of what God values. In Philippians, Paul talks about this in terms of producing the fruit of righteousness or being filled up with the fruit of justice and mercy. And Paul prays for the Philippians not that they would do good works, but rather that they would walk in faith and love in such a way that the Spirit produces justice and integrity in their lives. And it refers to doing what is right in this world. And so Paul wants the Philippians to inspect the substance of their lives. It ought to consist of healthy relationships, acts of love and generosity, honest work and labor, doing what is right, in the world. So for example, we have uh, two apple trees in our backyard. Our first apple tree you can see here, it's, it's a beautiful tree. It, uh, it's symmetrical, it goes up, it's really tall, it's beautiful. Problem is it hardly ever like has apples on it. Like you can only see like there's only like 10 apples on this beautiful, beautiful tree. Right next to it, we have this deformed, weird looking, ugly apple tree and I hate it like the, the branches are hanging on the ground every time I mow I mow over apples and all sorts of things but this tree every year it produces so many I can't believe the branches don't break off of it every single year it's the most amazing thing and these trees remind me that appearances can be deceiving and that true value does not lie in the outward stature but in the fruit that they actually bear. And so the true measure of our lives is not found in our status, but in the fruit which we produce. That's why when you come into this building every single week, on our main doors, what do we have sketched in the window? We have John, or John 15, the vine and the branches. It's a reminder that we need to abide in the vine for fruit to grow. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. And so it's a reminder every time we walk out of this building that we are to abide in him so that fruit can be produced in our lives. And so the question is, what kind of fruit are we bearing in our interactions with others? 
Are we cultivating qualities like love, kindness, compassion, and generosity? Are our actions aligned with our values and beliefs? So I'm going to invite you this year, Southview, check your fruit. Check and see, am I producing fruit? So what's our main, main thing to do? I'm going to invite us to do two things. All right, here's your to-do. It's real practical, super easy. Number one, follow us on Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, you can go to our website. But it's a great way. So on the Instagram, each week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be posting um, our scripture reading for the coming weekend. So this Monday, we'll be posted what we're going to be speaking on next week. And we have discipleships questions. So if you have a small group or a family, we want you to read the word together in community. And we want you to discuss it. And we want you to engage with it and actually grow in it. And so when you come on the weekends, you'll be like, oh, I had a question about that or I had a question about that. Now we're growing together in these things. So every Monday, it's going to be posted on Instagram, and you can read it there. And it's also going to be our Digging Deeper questions. So if you go to our website to get our Digging Deeper questions, they'll be there as well. So follow us, engage with Scripture reading as we walk together this year. And second, I want you to register for our Discipleship Pathway on September 17th. It's really easy. You can go to Realm, you can go to our website, and you can register. Registration's open till Thursday. Uh, it's next Sunday night. I will have dinner here. It's going to be a big party. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. Everyone's going to be here, and I mean everyone. It's literally everyone will be here. It's going to be awesome. December, or September 17th. Come and find inspiration of how do we live out this core practice of meeting together because we want a journey through life together. And so as we go into this year, one of the things that we're focusing on is uh, our succession team. Um, they did a congregational survey, and one of the significant things that came back that we want to grow in this year is just how do we build closer connections and community within our community here at Southview? It was one of the things that was the feedback from our congregation, and we're actually looking at trying to practice that a whole lot more this year. That's why we're, we've incorporated dinner into our uh, Southview uh, pathway, a uh, discipleship pathway, because we want to get to know one another. I was just at uh, the mall the other day, um, and I was with my daughter, and we were walking out a sport check, and uh, the uh, person behind the, the till was like, excuse me, he was like yelling at me, and I was walking out, and I thought, oh man, does he think I'm stealing something? I wasn't, uh, but I was like, I'm, you know, kind of get hot, like, what's going on? What did I do? And he comes around over and says, hey, hey, uh, are, are you Sam? I was like, yeah. He's like, are you a pastor at Southview? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I go to Southview. I literally have never seen this person in my life. And I'm like, I'm trying to rack my man, man. I, he's like, oh yeah, I go there. He's like, what service do you go to? Oh, the 11, yeah, I'm there all the time. This is a place, big place. It's hard to get to know people. So we're going to do things this year to help us to be known and to get to know other people. So to kick that off this weekend, we're going to be doing a Southview social after our service. So we're going to be going out that way to Ocardo and into the the. Uh, outside patio where we have a whole kind of area set up with, with food and drinks and tables and sweets and popcorn and steak and eggs and bacon and ham and uh, quail. And like, I mean, like you could sneak out this back door, but you would miss everything that's happening over here. So we want to invite you to be a part of it. And we're going to invite you to be inclusive. 
So yes, it's good to catch up with friends, but look for people that maybe aren't connecting and invite them into your circle of friends and let them get to know you as well and have those conversations, all right? So we're gonna have some fun with that this weekend and it's beautiful out, the sun's setting, it's gonna be great. So we're gonna go out there and do it. We're so thankful that we have this opportunity to have some intentional community building time, all righty? So this year, we want you, we're inviting you, jump into the river. Let's trust the gospel. It's gonna continue to move forward. Let's live boldly on mission wherever God's placed us. Let's do this together. Don't go at it alone. And last and foremost, let's stay connected to Jesus, the one who will produce fruit, kingdom fruit in this world, in and through us. Let's pray to that end. Jesus, we thank you for this weekend, the opportunity to be here. We thank you for each person that's here this weekend. God, I pray that you would bless them and encourage them as we walk into this fall. We're super excited, God, of what you're going to do. And we just trust in you. We trust that you're moving things forward. And we want to just, we want to enter in and be a part of everything that you're doing. And so God, whatever they're walking through this week, as school started up, jobs are back, uh, vacations are over. God, we are just here to be just open to your leading and guiding. And so God, just lead us now as we go into a time of community, help it to be really a fun celebration of being back together, uh, being a part of the community of God that can love and care for one another as we journey through all the ups and downs that this year has to offer. And we're excited of what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I invite you to stand for our closing benediction. And then uh, we're going to uh, do what? Party. <laughs> right? No? All righty. So as you go into this week, whatever it holds, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for being here this weekend. I will see you out on the patio, medium rare. It's on the right. All right.